Uh, there, is, there are ancient words and ancient wisdom for us <clears throat> that, I guess, that I know that God wants to uh, have us learn and the privilege of being in the book. Uh, there's some other ancient wisdom. I just want to draw your attention before we start. The uh, Healing for the Wounded Heart Seminar. If you are interested in that, make sure you contact me because we're going to order some books. Uh, that's going to be a wonderful time for those who are interested in doing uh, ministry below the surface. And so I'll, if you have questions about that, see me personally and, and I'll fill you in. Uh, we are in the middle of Ephesians 5. I'm, let me tell you, I'm, I'm excited about this passage because every time I get into the scripture and I, I think about, okay, Lord, what is it that you want us here at Chesterland to know and beyond those who are listening to the podcast, there's something that I, I get excited about and I, I think as I listen to and I study and I look around other commentaries, I think uh, there are things that God just gives to each church or each person as we personalize, personalize the scripture. And this one is something that was uh, unique and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just beginning to learn this, to scratch the surface. But I, uh, I would ask you, can you remember the last time you heard a message about submission? This is a, a strange topic because people don't like to hear this topic, but I thought, okay, Lord, what is it that you want us to lo- learn? And I think there's some really wonderful things here. So as we get into uh, the shift from what Paul is trying to teach the Ephesians, um, pay attention because there's some things that I think if you have ears to hear and uh, you will hear some things in this that will move you into different directions that will be delightful to your heart. But we're going to be talking about the powerful wisdom of submission. And as we get into this, uh, this topic, I want to remind you again, every time you go into the scripture, don't cherry pick as you read. Don't take one little verse out of context, but it will give you the under context because context is king. Context is everything. It will give you the understanding of the meaning and the value and help you understand what Paul is trying to do as he gets into the lives of the Ephesians or the lives of the Colossians or the Thessalonians. But he's struggling because he wants them to understand who the person of Christ is and what the work of Christ was in order to bring it into reality for all of us. And so as we go back in the context, remember these, these are the four themes that have led us up to this topic of submission. And if you don't remember these four themes, you will distort and destroy the beauty what Paul is trying to help us understand. So here are the four themes as you get back into the idea that Paul is saying that the key, the key word that umbrella is the umbrella over all these words is the word imitation. That we are imitating Christ in his, and here's the first one, in his ability to love sacrificially. This is the agape love that I'm moving towards you with your best interest at heart at my expense. This is the way love works. And Paul says, you be imitators of beloved kids, as beloved children of your father. And then he moves into, you walk in light as Christ is light and taking you out of darkness, there's something about the work of the Spirit that takes you into this whole realm of kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness, and you're, 
you're transitioning out. And he talked about the wisdom that no longer do we walk in foolishness or ignorance. We walk in real wisdom. It's wisdom that we'll look at again, but it's the powerful wisdom that comes from, and this is the next theme, do, don't be filled with the, the ways of the world or the ways of the flesh or the ways of Satan or the ways of deception, the ways of the hardness of the heart, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that filling of the Holy Spirit was the thing that led me to thinking about this topic. How could you think about submission and cut off all those before? Because if you think about spirituality and you think about the blessings of God and you think about the manifestations of the Spirit, I would lay a dime to a dollar that you would not associate being filled with the Holy Spirit with this word submission. These are two words that don't go together in my mind. I haven't, I haven't connected these two before. So I would like to submit to you that this idea of if you are going to be mature, intelligent, filled with godliness and the, and the Spirit of Christ leading you into wisdom, again, the first thing he moves into is this theme of submission. And I thought, look at that. Look at that. I would not have put those two together. And therefore, the beauty of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit will come, up, come up about when we understand this role of submission to all the other things that he's gone on before. And to not get that in the context is to misunderstand what God is trying to do. And therefore, understand that submission then becomes the expression of love, the expression of light, the expression of wisdom, the expression of the spirit-filled person. And that's the context that we listen to these words as we move into the, today's story. And so as you get these words in the context again, we're talking about the Ephesians who've been converted into Christianity. They are Gentiles who don't have the historic 2,000-year history of the Jewish people, the, the redemptive story from Moses on, they are coming into a group of people to learn about the Messiah, to learn about the kingdom, to learn about the gospel. And these are the three words that are peppered all the way through Ephesians, that there's a unity that God's working, that all of these people will learn to submit. All of these people will have the filling of the Spirit, the wisdom, the light, and the love. But you move in maturity, chapter 4, that we're all continuing to help each other grow as a community. And that's, the again, this is just the preview, the context. But as you understand, as you get into the book of Ephesians, as an applied linguist, this is what I do sometimes with words. I, I do things. I've got some tools at my, uh, in my tool bag. And one of the things that... Uh, you do with a text like any book is you look at the number of times words are used. And in this book, there are 3,300 words or more, uh, depending on which ones you add, uh, the translation. But the idea that there are 3,300 words at minimal to the book of Ephesians. And guess what the most important word is? Uh, the, first, yeah, the first word is Christ. I didn't get on that that screen, but Christ is mentioned uh, more than any others. God's second. The third word, 
What's the third word, do you think? You're going to say spirit. <laughs> it's not spirit. What's it, what, what word would you think if you take the theme of Ephesians? What word comes out the most? Love? It's in there. Uh, love is number six. Grace is number ten. Well, I won't keep you in suspense. It's not wisdom. Uh, actually, wisdom isn't in the top ten. And this blew me away. By frequency, you list the words and find out what word is used more than God and Christ. The third word, and here it is, is the word one. One. I thought, look at that. I've never seen that before. But the idea that there's a oneness, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, all of these things, and one is mentioned 26 times more than any other words, again, besides Christ and God. Jesus is uh, 20. But you'll see these things. I thought, oneness, this idea of, of unity is right at the top. And therefore, that's the context as you understand that this oneness, this beautiful word will be overlooked. And you won't put that together because the person you are sitting next to in front of and behind, they are the focus of what Paul is saying to us. We are all one. Not individually one, but the oneness that has to do with this idea that we are called to submit to one another. And here's your wisdom that comes from the scriptures. And notice it does not say you are to submit to your leadership. This is not the focus. It's not to submit to the authority or it's not to submit to the denominational doctrinal position. It's not to, it, it is a relational word. Clearly, it says the relationship is we are to submit to one another. Now, this is not something I've heard much about in the church. We kind of assume it. But let me go into a little bit about the word. Uh, you'll like this. The word is a military word. To submit uh, would be for a soldier to know his place, where his, his assignment is, and so he's going to uh, be in an arrangement of soldiers, and he's going to submit. It's used 12 times in the New Testament, but it is not just a New Testament concept. It's an Old Testament uh, Hebrew mindset brought out from the Old, where you go back about the arrangement of Israel in the 12 tribes. When they were moving, they would submit to the pattern, the place. They knew their position. And so submission comes with the idea that I have a place. I belong here somewhere. Where's my place? And I'm going to go to my place and that I'm going to submit to the order, the design, the way that God intended the New American Standard says the word subject. But go back, to, go back to the word submit. What does the word submit mean? Submit. Sub, submarine. Mit. Okay, for all of you scholars out there, and I see you're smiling. What's the word mit mean? Now, it's not a baseball mit. That doesn't fit. It's MIT. Anyway, what does the word mit mean? Now, this may throw you for a loop. The word... We use in different ways, admit, emit, omit, transmit. What's the, what do you think it means? 
It means to send. To send. The root of the word for submit is used in all of these words, mit, M-I-T, and the variation M-I-S, means that there's a permission, there's a position that I take, there's an intermission to send, uh, in between, surmise, missile, all these things are, these are the idea of movement, that there's a going, there's a submission, and here's the meaning, it means to send. You look at these, the, the, the great commission, we're going to send out laborers into the harvest. We're going to be permit to send through. We can give them permission to go on through. The idea of sending or positioning or submission all has this relational connection that you need me in a place, I'll be there. You need me to do work, I'll be there. And so the passage, the passage in Ephesians, keep this in mind, to submit means I'm going to submit relationally to you because you and I are one. And that's the wisdom that God is setting up in the body of Christ. It's used three times in this passage. Now, the, for those who know Greek, I know a little Greek. He cooks pizza down in Bainbridge. Down, sorry. The word is hupotasso. Now, you won't remember this word, except I'll help you remember this word by thinking of a hippo with tassels. So Hupotasso, he's graduated. This guy, he's got some wisdom. He's a submissive hippo. It means to place yourself under. That way you always remember this hippopotamus under the water. Hupotasso, submission. Not a foreign concept, actually, because we understand that when there are decisions made by other people, we submit to the government, we submit to the court. We even, I found this great picture, we would pledge an allegiance. This is across the street. And so when you have an idea that I am going to put myself under a pledge, I submit myself and I give myself permission. We do this all over the place with tutors, uh, learning guitar, you learn from a master, you learn from mentors, you learn from counselors. You submit to the authoritative diagnostic expertise of a doctor. Knowledgeable person. The idea that there is a committee, that the group of people are deciding the direction in consensus and policy making. We do this all the time, so it's not an unusual thing when you have referees making calls or coaches making decisions and, con and, and marching bands with their conductors. They're being told what to do, where to go. This is quite comfortable for all of us until we get to this one point of marriage. Now, of all these things, this idea of, of women you are to submit has been the Again, the mantra for so many people in our culture, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In this area of marriage, there is now tension. Where we would do this submission in, in every other area where there's agreements and policies and decisions and business. But when it comes to marriage, marriage becomes a focal point that is an attack point. And why would that be an issue? Well, the issue is 
There is no other institution that Satan would love to destroy than your marriage and your family because that is the institution more than any other of the other cultural things that we do that will reveal the gospel of Christ. And if I can destroy, think Satan, if I can destroy your intimate relationship, if I can break down and cause divorce and and separation and fragmentation and damage, Satan's got a foothold in destroying the very mission of God in restoring human relationships. And therefore, families and marriages are the attack point. And what's the attack point? I don't have to submit it to my husband. I don't have to submit to my wife. And for some reason... Paul brings this right up front as the first place in the book of Ephesus. If you're going to walk with Christ, if you're going to walk in a manner worthy of Christ, if you're going to imitate Christ, if you're going to walk in wisdom, the primary focus is the way men relate to women and women relate to men. That's the context that you're going to see this battle play out, but it's a battle because we bring in cultural mindsets that destroy the, the governing wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at this because the discussion that we have in our day and age about men and women in marriage and the models of marriage is under attacks. But, but hear, the, hear what I'm saying. If you're in marriage, the purpose of marriage is not to find somebody who loves you or somebody who will negotiate some agreement to make you happy. The purpose of marriage is to reflect and imitate the glory of God one to another. And that call, that call, that positioning to say, I have been placed and I submit to a relationship in such, in such a manner that I want my wife to see Christ in me. And I want to see Christ in my wife. It's an unusual call. It's a countercultural mandate by Paul to the Ephesians because, as we've heard, this is the call of a romance where Christ is in love with his bride. Now, that's what we're going to be looking at as we get into this whole theme of submission. Keep in mind what submission is it's a mutual yielding to the influence of another, someone's in front of me, and my position and my response to the believers in the church is I am, submit to, I am to submit to you, and you are to submit to me. We are to submit to one another. Hear that as the base note, Submit, submit, because you love and imitate Christ. It's the grace of Christ in this community. It's the underlying theme. If you don't hear that, you're really going to miss this thing on marriage. And it's it's exciting, it's, it's amazing, it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, but you will not hear that if you don't hear the wisdom, the light, the love, the grace, the fullness of the Spirit. And so understand the call is not just about us looking at marriage. The call is for submission as a community of men. So as we look at that, we are yielding for the purpose of manifesting, imitating Christ to each other. 
And so, as Paul goes into that, this is the transitional verb. To submit to one another is the, is the key we want to hear as we're going to do this, not only in marriage, not only in family, but also at work. But the idea is, my purpose is clear. I'm submitting to the purposes and the will of God to reflect Christ to you. If that's your desire, and that's your desire, and that's your desire, and that's your desire, then this becomes an unusually radical kingdom-bound community. And therefore, he goes into marriage. And so we're going to look at this uh, this week and next week. But the idea is that, that there's a husband who is imitating and reflecting Christ in such a way that his wife sees not just the man, a good man or bad man, or just, not just the man, but see Christ over and in and through the man. That the way she sees her husband is going to be affected by the way she sees Christ working in her husband. Likewise, it's the wife imitating and reflecting Christ to the husband in such a way that this submission is going to bring something unique and unusual and beautiful in a relationship that without Christ, you'll just have man and woman. But these things are what, what are under attack because in our day and age, this model of marriage, and there's all kinds of models out there now, it's not just male and female, it's same-sex marriage. It's, it's multiple wives or multiple partners or illegal or... Um, not consummated in a church or official. It's a civil arrangement that you have people. But when Lewis would talk about marriage, he was talking about, understand that it's not about gender. It's not about sexuality. And it's not even about preference. For Lewis, when Lewis, C.S. Lewis would talk about marriage, he would say, realize that we are the bride of Christ. And therefore, all men become feminine in our response to Christ because he is God and we are his lover. We are the bride. And so we all pick up a sense of responsiveness to submit to the Lord Jesus. It's not about gender. It's not about roles so much as it is we all are after this submission to the purposes of God in our own individual lives. And therefore, we mutually, mutually, we yield to Christ and we yield to each other. There's something about how we enter into these relationships with a different idea. And therefore, these Ephesian unbelievers who become believers have to reorient their whole thinking to the kingdom of God. Now, let me take you back to the ancient words. Because these ancient words are not just old words. This is the design. This is the design that God wants you to embrace and enjoy. Because it's this pre-fall, before the sin entered into the garden. This is the design of God for Adam and Eve. And we'll look at that next week more closely. But understand that these are the design, the kingdom principles, what man was supposed to be and woman was supposed to be in the relationship. But it's not just based on the kingdom of God. Look more carefully of what that before then. 
But next week we'll take a look more carefully of what that design was for the male and what that design was for the female because he is talking about this maleness. There's a man, uh, man, there's a male image of God and there's a female image of God. These distinctions are clear, clear, clear in scriptures that you have to take into account that what the questions are is what does it mean to be a male? What does it mean to be a female? We'll look at that next week. But I want you to understand that that maleness and that femaleness goes back uh, way before uh, that. It goes back to Christ himself. And so if you go back to Philippians 2, you'll see that Paul, uh, Paul talks about before the fall, before creation, in the Trinity itself, you have Christ reflecting submission. This is an eternal principle that even Jesus Christ, as fully God, you'll see that Jesus, who being in the very nature of God himself, was not concerned about his position, not concerned about this equality thing. It wasn't about his rights. It wasn't about him at all. But he had this idea of, I'm going to surrender and submit and be other-centered. This is before creation. This is the design of the Godhead itself in community. It's, I am going to be there for you. I'm going to submit myself to you and not be preoccupied with me, my needs, my wants, my desires, my pain, my questions, me, 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 me. It's like there's a freedom to be away from me to submit to something else greater than me. And this is the theme going back to the very Trinity itself. And Jesus, though he existed in the form of God, he submitted himself and he took on our form for us. It was like I said before, love means to move towards you with your highest interest, your best interest in my mind at my expense. I'm moving towards you. I'm submitting myself to the will of God to really be a blessing to you. As opposed to I'm moving towards you with my interest at your expense. Submission is total freedom to move into the life of another person thinking, I am here for them. I'm here to bless them. This is the submission that Paul was talking about. And so as we think about that, submission means this. All that God has made me to be as a man, all that God made you to be if you're a woman, all that I am by virtue of creation and design and all that I do in virtue of my actions and my choices, I honor my Lord as I enter into a relationship to honor you. Now say that with me. All that I am and all that I do I honor my Lord in honoring you. This is the wisdom of submission. I'm moving towards you to honor you. I'm moving towards you in love and light and wisdom and the Spirit. And I want to submit to you because I respect who God made you to be. And therefore, I'm going to honor by with me and recognizing all that you are 
and God has brought you into relationship with me. And it means that all that I am, I'm bringing to you. This is a wonderful dance in the community of grace. It's a wonderfully misunderstood concept. But here's what it means, is if I submit to you, then I do so not for the purpose. I submit to you not for the purpose of wanting to be seen as a leader. Not for the purpose of having organizational control. I submit to you not for the purpose of getting anything out of it, but because I join with you and being in a mission of the bride to reflect Christ. Therefore, let me move towards the end by saying two things as we move into next week. The blessing of submission means I will be filled by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads me to that submission point. If I don't have the Spirit of God, I won't, won't submit. But the submit, submission means I find myself in wisdom that there's something that the Spirit of God will give me to understand how I move towards you and your relationship at this point in time to minister and bless you. And therefore, as I understand this wisdom, I get the strength of his love, the strength of that light, the strength of the wisdom, but I incarnate, I incarnate and I can imitate the grace of Christ. Why? Because I'm in Christ as you're in Christ. And I've been restored as a person, and therefore we move towards one another to reflect that spiritual maturity as a community as we all grow up. Individually, distinctly, uniquely, to, to be honored, to be appreciated, and to be respected. And therefore, if I understand this wonderful role of submission, it will prevent, and hear this clearly, if we are walking in submission, we will prevent power struggles and conflicts in the church, in the home, in society. You can avoid a lot of this tension, needless tension, foolish tension, because you're honoring. You're sensitive to the wisdom of God. You're moving in a way that's just radically countercultural. Also, you realize that in the church, if you have this as a value, there are no caste systems. There are no super Christians. There are no, no longer those who are above one another because at the cross, we all come at street level. We all humble ourselves because none of us are better than anybody else. And we understand that. Our giftings are different. Therefore, there is no caste system. You've been in the church longer than somebody else. It doesn't make a difference. The old order is not the powerful reigning order. The order is the submissive order to the design, the wisdom of Christ. And therefore, you can avoid a lot of politics. You can avoid people who are pastors who want to be egocentric, power mongers, who says, you better do it my way. That's not the way the church works. It's not the way the kingdom of God works. And therefore, it will, it will prevent the selfishness this stubbornness, and this laziness because I'm moving towards you to bless you. And therefore, it will promote the imitation of Christ, a Christ-centeredness in worship, a community that loves and respects people. This is a beautiful calling for us. It's a focus on the redemptive mission of the church. And therefore, we become a counterculture a, a, a church that's radically different in the sense that we love and mature, help, encourage, respect, and honor.
All that I am and all that I do. Say that again with me. All that I am and all that I do. I honor my Lord in honoring you. And that's what this passage is for the Ephesians and for us. And so next week, what I want to do is I want to go more carefully into that thing of marriage between maleness and femaleness and look at this because husbands, you are to submit to your wives. Wives, you are to submit to your husbands. It's this beautiful calling that if you don't read this in context, you will really misunderstand this passage. That's why we get in trouble in some of our discussions. Let me close there. Let's pray. Father, Take these words, make them real. Give us the wisdom of the Spirit, and we worship you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.